0: In
1: the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 hello. Ryan Roxy here and welcome to another live episode of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. I'm your host. How many times can I say the name of Ryan Roxy? <laughs> well, guess what today? Today. It's one of those episodes, folks, where I'm relaxed because we have family. We have family on the show. and um, But at the same time, I did not uh, slack I, went, I did my uh, due, due diligence on our artist today because that's what we like to do here at In the Trenches podcast. We like to dive in deep and uh, see what the creative process, what motivates our artists, what drives them, um, what keeps them surviving in the trenches and getting out of the trenches and basically having very successful careers because today's guest, folks, He's a it's, it's a success story. The ultimate success story. I have an angle for it. He's a hero to every technician out there. I'm telling you, that's my angle. He's made that jump from technician to rock star, back to technician, back to rock star. He's vacillated. Yes, folks, I said the word vacillate. He, between the two over the years, and to me, that is a huge success story. So will you please help me welcome to in the trenches, Mr. Mike Fazzano. Hello.
0: Hey. How you doing, buddy? What's I like to I like to say I'm a 30-year overnight success story. <laughs> yeah, that's you, what I'm calling it. You
1: hang around long enough people start to notice you, right? Wow.
0: Exactly.
1: Well, everybody knows you, especially in the chat. And folks, if you're just arriving right now, uh, thank you very much for showing up to In the Trenches. Hit that subscribe button if this is your first time. And uh, obviously our live chat is on a uh, Facebook live or YouTube live. Make it on over to YouTube official Ryan Roxy hit that subscribe button. If you are watching it or listening to it on a platform such as Apple or Spotify or any of those, you'd want to come over here because you, you have to see just the coffee cup that Mike is working on today. He is the ultimate cat dad and um, he shaved for this. I, I was fooled because in the promo that was coming up for the uh, for the show, I thought yeah. that maybe you'd let it go scruffy, but you told me it was important.
0: Ryan Roxy, you, it's not, I didn't just shave for this. This, was, this is my version of a wardrobe change, as we say in the business. <laughs> you know what I mean? You are a guy fronting a band who can wardrobe change. I'm a guy sitting behind a drum kit who can't wardrobe change. Right, right. Well, anyway, so.
1: You've played, I mean, I'm going to go into all the bands that you've played in because you've played such a spectrum of different styles of music. They've all been the music that you like and sort of were raised on but they've all been different styles of rock because you are a rock drummer. I would say at the end of the day, yes. you like rock music, but there's so many different genres that are included in rock that you've been involved in and just the bands that you've played in. And in fact, folks, for those of you that don't know, right there, we are uh, co-founding members of a band called Dad's Porno Mag. And that's where it sort of kicks off our friendship. But uh, like I say, we'll get into the other bands as well.
0: You know, um, what's funny is I've played in a lot of bands, you know, but, um, I can honestly say I'm a member and a founder of dad's forum, Ag. <laughs> and, um, that, that means a lot to me and playing in, in dad's forum, Mag, you know, I, I, I was, li- I was told you were off air. I was listening when I woke up this morning, pregame in it, as you say, yeah. to our, our records. I've needle dropped our records before, um just uh, a song here. I want a song there, but I listened to everything all all the way up until the show started. And um, man, it's like, I learned so much from playing with you and um, the music we made and how we made the music, the dad's corner mag stuff, AKA DPM, the Roxy 77 stuff, which I'm sure you'll get to. Um, I don't know, man, it was life-changing for me. The people I met around you, it's weird. I'm not I'm not trying to be emotional, but you're such a, a big part of my musical career. I mean, it professionally, you know, getting out of like, uh, getting off the cruise ships, getting, um, you know, which I played on cruise ships, you know, um, getting, getting out, um, and playing gigs. I mean, I remember, you know, we had a a thing, we had a following and it was all because of you. Um, I know that we had butt heads because I thought I knew everything and I thought I had to be a certain way, but, but, uh, but all of that stuff has shaped me to being a better person in a band. I think my, and, in uh, my 20s uh, and, and 30s, and we all think we know everything.
1: In our 20s and 30s, I think we yeah. everybody knows something. And I think I met you, you were in your late 20s. I was in my early 30s, somewhere around that. You know, I don't want to go, it's because everything gets a little bit hazy, but this band called Dad's Porno Mag, we were America's band, folks. We were a a power trio, uh, Will Efforts, the original bass player of Dad's Porno Mag. We eventually became a four piece. Um, Will ended up uh, putting down the bass for a little while or, or... I think, yeah, he put down the bass for a little while, then he came back, but um, that's when we got uh, Stefan Deke on bass and Carrie Kelly on guitar, who both have become very instrumental in our careers as well. But this is the thing I like about it, because we have a little section, uh, let's go back to get forward. And, of course... You know, you say you pre-gamed it by listening to some rock seventy-seven. 7. I pre-gamed it by wearing what we would normally wear at a little rehearsal studio in a place that we like to call where Mike's hood was Burbank. What well, was close to Burbank? Yeah. But Mike yeah. is the sort of epitome of Burbank, California. But you know, we'd say what would what was the thing we'd say? Something about Latin. why don't you why don't you come to Burbank? Yeah. And then eventually we always come to Burbank. Yeah. I think we should introduce the band from Burbank and stuff because it was just so not Hollywood. And, but look at, look what happens. It's become sort of the Mecca of where so many things are. There's some more old pictures of dad's porno mag, but I wanted to talk about before dad's porno mag, because you mentioned it briefly, folks, you started on drums, you built up uh, your chops on basically the love boat and i yes. and then how, what do people not know about cruise ships and they might not know anymore. i mean the cruise ship sort of industry might be forever gone it might be a faded memory now but you grew up playing the cruise ships and you got your you know you basically in the trenches there what was that whole experience how did it start and what was it like
0: well you know, it started. I worked at a music store, and two of the teachers from the music store were going to be auditioning for a contractor to go to do a cruise, which I thought was going to be like a week or ten days. And they said, "Why don't you go to this audition?" Um, and I remember it was at the Musicians Union in Hollywood, and we went to this to this uh, to this rehearsal room. They had, they had a couple of rehearsal rooms, and. We played um Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, which is basically a rock song with a cross stick and it's soft and it's dynamic and um and uh the contractor guy said, and this was sort of a thrown together thing. the contractor guy said, "Well, you can play with brushes right and, I like, and me being you know nineteen, oh yeah, of course I can <laughs> you know and uh and sort of uh the first the next thing I know I'm signing a contract, and I didn't know what I was signing, but um the first cruise was. From uh, San Francisco all the way down through LA, through Mexico, through the Panama Canal to Florida. So it was like 10 days. And it was a three month contract I signed. And so um, I was having to play cha chas and waltzes and rumbas and Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You. This is like 89. Yeah. And uh, wear a tuxedo and the ladies dance ballroom and in and, and sequin dresses. And, and it was just crazy. And I'd never left. I had never left home, never did anything. I was called this Princess Cruises University. This was my university, and um, and it started, and that and that's sort of how, how it all started. Um, but I remember I, you were missing a, out yeah. of
1: that shot. I see, you know, but, but was that basically the crew? And then, of course,
0: oh my God, let me just tell you something. I met Meryl Steubing, Captain Meryl Steubing, or Gavin McLeod, because he was on our ship. We were on a, on a ship, and they were they were christening it, and it was a big fanfare, and he was on and a few of the other people were on. I remember we were talking to him backstage because we had to play before they came on and captain Stubing or, or uh, uh, his son is in a band called the butthole surfers. And he was totally stoked about telling me that. I did not like, know that 30 years ago now. Oh, 30 wow. years ago. So it was cool. So I got to hang with him like an idiot. You know, we didn't, you didn't have a camera on your cell phone and, whatever. I didn't get a picture and I, I don't have any pictures. I of really believe anything. you. I believe bad. that
1: you and captain so. Steuben got that, uh, that moment to say hello to each other. Was he, was he liquored up? Was he a little liquored up?
0: No, he was super pro and super cool. I think he's super Christian. Oh, not is, that there's yeah. anything wrong or right. I or know a lot of down, alcoholic but, Christians yeah. trust me. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think I might be so. one of them. I'm not sure. So, Born and raised. So basically that was, that was my start, but, but I, I remember I had, um, I had just such an experience of being away from home, you know, um, living with other people, sort of like a dorm kind of thing, um, playing all kinds of different music. Um, I didn't know how to play any of that stuff. And there was a guy named Rich Watson, and he was in the big band. He was from New York. Big band, like we're like 12-piece big band. And I would go watch him. So he took me under his wing. He showed me how to play brushes. He showed me how to play some bossa novas. I, I was a quick study, and I was a quick learn to this stuff. And but I but I but I thought I was Bobby Blotter or Tommy Lee. I think there's some pictures of me on, on the ship sitting in my stick and my tuxedo.
1: The thing is, your hair hairstyle perfect. now, your hairstyle now would have fit so much better in the cruise ship days, you know, right. than this hairstyle that you did have. Uh, Vic, do you have a picture of um, him on, on the hairstyle days? No, you don't have that. Okay,
0: like but sweet, in. <laughs> <a sweet bullet. laughs>
1: And no, you man, you took it down on the sides. Did you even take it down a little bit for for the show today? I love it. There's a nice oh, shot yeah, of I you. you this.
0: Listen, this is show business, baby. You taught me all about it. You gotta look good when you're doing the show. And this is the
1: man of a million haircuts and man of a million drum kits. We have Mike Fazzano on in the trenches, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If this is just your first time, well, you gotta hit that subscribe button and of course uh Get in the chat room. Get involved because that's what this is all about. And of course, there it is. Mike brought his own shot of him. Is that on a? Is that sort of the cruise ship production.
0: days? Is that's that... the cruise ship. Check out my puppy hair. I actually had a mullet. Look at the tuxedo. Wow. Oh, and for anybody who knows my folklore in the studio, that is Big Red right there. The Big Red snare drum. That's Big Red on that's November. Still Big Red the cry. snare
1: drum. Okay, we're gonna get into yeah, that. Anyway. Uh, we're going to get into uh, the sort of angle of my show here today is that how you have been that sort of ultimate success story of how someone can run a uh, studio drum business like you have for many years, but then make that crossover onto live performance. Cause you've been, you were performing live before you had the company and then you've been able to go back and forth. And we met, I would say probably around the same time that the band you're currently in formed, like right around the early nineties. That's when we sort of got together and I, can you refresh me on it was our like first-
0: 90, 94-ish. It was at A&M Studios for the Gilby Clark record that Wadi Wattel was producing. Matt Sorum was playing on it. That's when we met. We met cuz you came by the studio to you played on some stuff, but you were also around all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we were cutting the other drummers, there was a few Mark Danza Matt Sorum, Rob Afuso from Skid Row played um I even played on a track, we did a, a track, an Alice Cooper song, God, I can't think of it. I played, I played I He's a Whore.
1: I, did, I definitely uh, played on He's a Whore in the studio, the Cheap Trick right. cover, which if, I don't know. They said it was going to come out on the uh, Pawn Shop Guitars record, but it. Right. I don't think it did. It came out on a sort of Japanese album called Blues, a little EP a little right. bit later. But the cool thing is my name is right under slash on the actual Pawn Perfect. Shop guitar album. So perception being reality, there you go. And, and, and then, of course, That's I of Yeah, perception is reality. Yeah. But uh, I I definitely um, remember those days because I was playing in the Gilby Clark band. And then from there, and it, it's folks, it's the same thing that I, I, I always say is like, be cool to the band members that you're friends with now because they will lead you into your next gig or be associated with it in some way. And when Mike and I started jamming with Will, who was playing bass in the Gilby Clark band, well, who produced um, a lot of the uh, first demos that we were playing with, uh, whether it was The Unbelievable Truth or, or even before that, and right around that time of the D- DPM, uh, there was a bunch of demos. It was Gilby Clark. So, yeah. and then of course, uh, Jim Mitchell and Mark Shulman took us under yeah. their wing and Mark Shulman, for, for those of you keeping score at home is another incredible success story of a drummer who, uh, plays currently with who?
0: Pink. Pink. He's there playing you go. with Pink now. Well, I mean, nobody's playing now because of COVID, but yeah, he's Pink's drummer, but he played in Foreigner. He played in Simple Minds. Um, he played in Billy Idol. Yep. He subbed for Matt Sorum and Velvet uh, Revolver, um, so between Matt and Mark, Mark is an incredible human,
1: right? No doubt. Mark Shulman, uh, and then we had Jim Mitchell, of course, that came under the under the wing of the production wing. They were uh, helping produce that first Dad's Pornomag record, and then uh, we were managed by uh, the ultimate Rick Canny Jr.
0: There you go, Rick Canny Jr. Jr. Who I who I am uh, friends with still today, and you know what's crazy about Rick is. Rick is following me on Instagram. We uh, Tiger Army did a a couple years ago. We did a couple shows at the Ace Hotel Theater in um, in downtown LA for a release of our um, Dark Paradise CD. It was something to put in between tours and and records. And Rick reached out to me and he was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe this! You guys sold two nights out. This is crazy. I'm so proud of you." He's a manager, so he knows how hard it is to sell a venue out. He's never heard of Tiger Army. Tiger Army doesn't get radio play. There's no video. MPD. You get the right radio play, though. Rolling. I
1: want to talk about that because, honestly, remember remember back in the day when we were so psyched that we were going to get one dad's porno mag song played on K-Rock, and it ended up being for, I think, the uh, that uh contests that we did but they ended up playing one song and we were all, at least i was out of my mind excited that they were playing it but at the end of the song the dj comes on the air and he goes well sometimes you gotta play something that the man asks you to and it was basically wow. like the, the somebody from yeah. the head off of his k-rock and i remember it was one of our biggest goals to be popular on k-rock and that sort of scene and it just it's through the course of time the way things happen you are now in a band that are k-rock darlings in a lot of ways they support you guys you guys have a, 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 a very good uh, a very huge los angeles following and the thing that i want to you know Sort of emphasize is that whether it's the cruise ships or whether it's dad's porno mag or whether it's the band Warrant that you played in uh, a multitude of years of you know, yeah. you were peppered in there throughout the years
0: seventh, ninth, and <laughs> seventh, ninth, and eleventh drummer.
1: Well, there you go. And there's a nice shot of Warrant right there where you guys all are apparently looking. Uh, somebody said, Put your necks forward. What was it? Who, who's doing that photo shoot? You know what? I
0: was. I had creepers on because I thought I was the punk rock guy and, and the young guy and the old uh, washed up dinosaur band hair band without the hair. Right. And um, uh, it was Neil's Lozauer ah. who said, "Lean forward. Who took our lean picture? Forward. And you know what's funny is our our friend Bobby Bruner from me. It's busts my chops about it all the time. Lean forward like and g- yeah,
1: lean forward and give yeah. him the uh, Zoolander.
0: Give him give, The, pout. <laughs> the pout. Lean
1: forward yeah, and give stuff. him Blue Steel. That was it. But, you know, no, do nah, don't be, man. Embrace it. Embrace it. Because honestly, that's my whole point about you being this success story. Uh, because, okay, you get off the cruise ships. You're playing with us. You start this drum company uh, that you tell people what it is that you do. Because I feel that it's one of those things that there's not a lot of people that are as specified and specialized and as qualified to do as you do it. I know there's a couple guys in Los Angeles yeah. that work the studios, but you've built yeah. your whole company up around that. So what is it?
0: To make a long story long, basically, um, uh, you know, Matt storm encouraged me to get off the cruise cruise ships. He says, if you can't, if you, um, if you were on a cruise ship for three months, you can't audition for somebody in town. In LA, there was all the cattle call auditions for bands. And I had auditioned for um, Wilson Phillips, Foreigner Terrence Trent Darby when I did get off of that. Um, I was also working at a music store called Valley Arts and I was living with Matt Sorum when he was in the, in Guns N' Roses doing the Usual Illusion tours. Basically I was babysitting his girlfriend and <clears throat> uh, walking the dog and watering the lawn for my rent of the room in one of Duff's houses that we were renting. Um, so you uh, were you
1: were the for, pool boy, the pool boy to yes, to Jerry yes. Falwell Jr. as
0: what Matt yes. Storm is. Well, no, no, <laughs> just to never, be topical. Way, but, <laughs> okay, he didn't watch. That's <laughs> funny, but no, it, you know what I was. A, you know what I was a sweet kid from you know Mama and and Matt was like a big brother to me, so I was really watching out for his his best interest. Um, and it was weird because there was a, a neighbor, a, uh, there was a neighbor named Danny. He was a bass player in a band. Uh, and he would come and visit, and they would hot tub together. Sounds creepy and, already. And, and, All you had to say and, and was bass player and Danny. Me, we're just friends. We're just we're just friends. We're just friends. now the older Mike Passano knows we're not just friends. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so it was a very it was hard for me to turn the head and not say anything. But um, but anyway, so living with Matt, uh, Matt um, they came off the road. Uh, Matt had to do the the finish the spaghetti incident record. Matt's drum tech for many years, Timmy Doyle. Was in Texas with his wife. She was having a baby. They had to do a, um, a couple of days of uh, pre-production re- uh, rehearsals and then go and finish this this record. What he was said, the record? Was come, that the Spaghetti know, Incident or it was Spaghetti? The Spaghetti Incident. Okay. So, um, That's, so this is Guns N' Roses,
1: folks. This was just to keep you up on a couple of details. Matt is Matt Sorum from the, the drummer of the Cult and uh, subsequently Guns and, Rose. Guns and Roses and the Spaghetti Velvet Incident. the
0: Revol- Revolver, of course. Right now, of he's, yeah. Right, whatever. And the many things that he human did.
1: activist. But, so he's a
0: yes. He said, "Come and help me." Um, you know my setup. So and you know, I worked at the music store. I had my hands on product. I knew what product did. I knew how to tune drums. The guys there taught me how to tune. Scott Mundy and one of our customers, Bruce Jacoby. So I had a good feel for it. So when I went in the studio, I tuned with him. Mike Clink liked it. Um, Matt said, "This is great. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do sessions until Guns and Roses, until we go on the road again, and then Timmy will come back and tech for me." I said, great. Whatever. At that time, I was working at the music store, making $160 a week. I was doing uh, these top 40 country weddings, bar mitzvahs. Some were $30, some were $50, some were $150 gig. That would supplement my my income. Um, I went in the studio. I made $150 a day, which is more money than I've ever made. And um, you know, Mike Klink recommended me to Ron Nevison. Ron Nevison was doing a uh, Michael Shanker record. And I worked with him on that and uh, and then um, But I what is your skill?
1: To, are you are you the like in the oh, way of the, shooting, a horse you're the drum whisperer. I'm drums. Yeah, you're the drum no, whisperer.
0: I'm drums. drums are weird because drums are weird because you can't plug them in like a guitar and look at like a strobe tuner or electric tuner and say, Oh, this is in tune. For some reason I had some kind of knack. First of all, I love drums. To this day, I look, somebody posts a picture, I look, I blow the picture, screenshot, I blow it up, what's he doing with that? What's that mount? I'm crazy about drums. Drums saved my life. Music saved my life. I came from a strict Italian upbringing, um, whatever. Music was my out, Was music was my passion, still is. Um, but, but I tuned drums and I, and I, um, I had a knack. Mike Klink liked me because I could tune the drums. Versus a road guy who doesn't have to be so specific with the tuning per se, not saying that there aren't great road guys that do that. I fell into this thing. We went from Guns N' Roses. A month later, we did Slash a Snake Pit record in the studio. And Matt was playing. I saw you again. You yeah, had Sunset at, Sound, uh, right? Or was it yeah. Sunset uh, Oh, actually at Conway. Okay. And then, and then um, that's where I met Jerry Finn. Jerry Finn was the guy, an assistant engineer. He said to me, hey, I, uh, I could hire a uh, drum tech for this Muffs record I'm doing with Rob Cavallo, who's Rob Cavallo. I, like, I didn't know anything. It's like, are you available? Of course I'm available. I had nothing going on. By that time, I quit my job at the music store, and I'm looking to do these technical gigs. So Jerry and Rob had worked on Green Day. They had me come to the next Green Day record, which was six months later. So it was Green Day. It was Guns N' Roses to Green Day in six months. Yeah. Met Trey Cool. We we did this record. <laughs> Um, and then the next record was coming. I found a couple of vintage snare drums for him and I bought them for him. Management paid me back. Then Trey said to me when we worked on the next record, he said, you know, you should be buying these drums because if we come to town, we could rent these drums from you. If we need a piccolo for this record, we'll rent it from you. And I was like, whoa.
1: A piccolo like, what snare is, drum. Like,
0: yeah. really, a piccolo snare drum. Or, not not, or not a, the actual whatever, sort of thing but,
1: that they would use like yeah. in the revolution. Just so no, to clarify.
0: So, so <laughs> In town, when you're recording, you want to have really great instruments and and from vintage guitars to vintage drums or to to rock drums, to rock guitars or rock amps. So there's a few companies that that do that. So I started amassing a collection of of, uh, drums to rent as I was working on these records. But the bottom line is I was always playing. I I always had a band. I mean, many times we did morning rehearsals at 10 a.m. I remember that. For a long time because I had to get to a session by noon. And I worked all day, so, so yeah. So I created, um, I created my own business of of renting drums, tuning drums on sessions, and that's my day job. That's been my day job for a, for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and um, your day job has I've turned in it.
1: your day job. Let's be honest, folks can turn into a very, very late night job because all the names that Mike just spouted off, like he just really just rapid-fired rapid, firely, uh, rapid fired these names, but you got to take them into account. The names that he's mentioning, folks, Rob Cavallo, uh, Jerry Finn, especially, just, just Google the name. You'll see the albums behind it. Blink-182 Records, The Huge Records, Green Day, The Huge Records, Mike Klink, you know, it doesn't get bigger than Appetite for Destruction. And so all these names that Mike's just sort of casually dropping are very important names in the history of rock and roll. And you're a part of that history too, Mike, because you are the drum whisperer. A lot of people only would use you because of what you brought to the table in the studio as far as the drum sound that they would get. A lot of people actually said that the Blink-182 drum sound was your sound
0: well you know i was fortunate enough to work with jerry finn and joe mcgrath who's a fantastic engineer and sean o'dwyer um and we worked with sean at conway when we when we did the freaks uh Unfreak or tweak i'm song with carrie kelly um at conway um we recorded the song that nobody knows about i don't even know where, who has the recordings of it but um i was lucky and and to this day i work with the best producers or work with the best engineers so if I do something at the source and they capture it, they're only going to make it sound better. And also lucky enough to work with really great bands, all the way from, uh, Stevie Nicks to uh nine inch Nells and everybody in between. I've been very, very fortunate. And if it wasn't for Mike Clink and Matt Sorum, and then eventually Jerry Finn, which I did like a good 10 year run with Jerry, who was a cheerleader for me and brought me on sessions, I wouldn't have what I have today. You know what I mean? And, and I established, um, just at least a, um, what's the word I want to use? I have a, uh, oh God, I didn't know what I'm trying to say. I have a reputation, whether people like it or not, there's a reputation that I'd get something done in the studio for them. But being a drummer, that's the other thing too, is I understand how to play drums. I'm not just a guy dropping off drums and here's the drums and they worked for this band, so they should work for you and your completely different band. Um, I never did that. I always cherry picked. I always tried to really dive into what they were doing and really... Always had an option. I listened to everybody and what they were saying. I listened to what the bass player was saying, the producer was saying, the singer was saying, everybody. My ears were just—I had big ears and wide eyes—and I, and I always had an option for somebody to be efficient, get the best sound. And I was lucky because I was welcomed in and I was trusted. The funny thing about working with all these bands, these huge bands, like it's like—I remember I worked on a Marilyn Manson thing. I was one of many—the three or four drum companies brought a bunch of drums into Conway one day for Marilyn Manson, and they had—it was all kooky. It was uh, Michael Beinhorn producing. They, they blacked out the uh, control room. So it was pitch black and they had minor hats on. They had minor hats on. And this is like at like two in the afternoon, minor hats on. So it's dark and it was weird. It's right out, it's out of the like, Marilyn there. Manson
1: playbook, dude. Right out of the Marilyn no, Manson exactly. dressing and room playbook. Like,
0: <laughs> and, I, and I looked at these guys and, and, and I was like, I, I didn't care. I was there for a reason. But this is how kind of like um, eccentric sessions are. I brought the drums down. I brought some toms and some kick drums. They tried them out. I think they took a kick drum and a set of the Toms, the three Toms that I brought. And, um, and then there was another kick drum. It was by a room mic. I moved it away, and I was going to take it away. They didn't want to use it. And then Vinehorn's like, no, stop. That sounds great. So they rented one kick drum for me to leave by a room mic because it was resonating, and it created a sound that was really cool <laughs> for them. But, but, I guess what I'm, but, but I guess what I'm saying is I didn't care if you were Marilyn. Not, not, not disrespectfully. I didn't care. I was there to do a job. And very few sessions I've been really starstruck on. Yeah. Um, and and most recent was a U2 and a Metallica session that I did because those are two bands I thought I'd never ever work with in the studio. Were and you I starstruck then?
1: Were, were you a little starstruck on the U2 or the in the Metallica or no? Of, was it?
0: Of course. Yes. Okay. No. No. Like I said, those are those are those are a couple that I could say, oh my god, these yeah. are these are bands I, I I had no um, circle in. You know, like we have a circle of Gilby and Guns Rose Roses and all this stuff, and then Green Days and all this stuff. So, so, um, I was very, very fortunate, but, but I also was passionate and I wasn't, I wasn't, I just wanted to do, I wanted it to do uh, if, as if I was playing and, and I was lucky enough to guys, I knew when to say something, if something was really wrong, I had three options. If they wanted something, I'd give them three let options. Me, let and me it, ask you that, that question.
1: I, um, just so the people that are watching and listening at home, and if you are watching, uh, thank you very much for being on YouTube. Please subscribe as well, and uh, Facebook Live. If you are listening, make it on over to the YouTube official at Ryan Roxy and hit that subscribe button. But thank you for listening, because we are here with Mike Fasano. Uh, obviously, we're talking about his business as a uh, studio drum technician, and in... but. Also, we're talking about the man himself and all the bands that he's played in and continues to play into these days. And so far, we've gone through a little bit of Dad's Porno Mag. we touched a little bit on Warrant, and we obviously, folks, will get to the Tiger Army saga in just a little bit. But uh, just a real quick uh, defining, just to give people perspective, how many snare drums for Your company at this point, do you own and and because you're saying you're giving your uh, clients a lot of options, like just out of how many snare drums could they pick from, uh, hypothetically?
0: Well, I have 240 ish snare drums and I have about <laughs> 80 are you 80 fucking insane, sets. dude? No, I know it's, I know, but but I know it sounds absolutely crazy. But here's the deal I have this amazing collection. It if basically there's the there's the um what I call the usual suspects of, of 10 snare drums that I can bring on pretty much any session and have a vi, ri, wide wide range of stuff. And in those 10 snare drums, some of those are triple. Like I have three Black Beauties, I have three Bell Brass, I have three um, Noble and Cooley, I have three Superphonics acrylic, these drums, these classic drums that always seem to work and always whatever get asked for. But then somebody might want a marching part or a vintage thing, and I have that vintage, twenty uh, eight inch mahogany Ludwig bass drum that I can bring and you could put it on play it on a stand with mallets or you could put legs on it and you play it in the kit. Um I have options for people. That's the whole thing. Um and then drums, the drum sets, it's it's a usual sub suspect. I made a name for myself with pork pie drums in the beginning of, of my my career working in the studios. Um big champion of pork of- pie.
1: Always a big champion of yeah. pork pie.
0: Yeah. And then I realized the big CEO kit in town everybody was using was Gretsch. So as I was getting new clients that were using other people that use Gretsch, I started buying Gretsch drums. And then um, I, I bought a couple of really great DW drums. Um, and then um, I, I have a vintage Ludwig kit. I have a, a stainless steel kit. I have a, um, a Vista Light kit, which is the clear plexiglass. I have all these sound options. Um, I have vintage Gretsch drums. I have new Gretsch drums. I have pork pie drums. I have a lot of stuff cue drums i i have this thing first of all the there are other companies that have way more stuff than this and 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 but the reality is if you want to get a um, uh, a red sparkle ludwig 1965 kit and a, or a green one or a this or that that's great for color or look or whatever if that's for a movie you can get that kit. here i know i have the drums that i know that i can contribute to a record and get a sound with and make something happen for for, like I said, from whoever you are, Dude, you, you know, get, if you're Fleetwood Mac or, or if you're, or if you're the, the doorknob band, <laughs> the brand new band that nobody knows about. I treat exactly the same.
1: Well, you definitely have the drums that get heard on the records that people listen to. And that's, we can just leave right. it at that. So I get this whole part that you're working. It's your day job. It's a great, it's a great day job, night job. Yeah. Um, But did you ever get any flack from the other uh, techs because you are playing in bands and you're making that switch. A lot of times I understand that crew, uh, you know, tech crews want to keep, there's a separation between band members and tech crews. Luckily with the Alice Cooper band, there is uh, more of a synergy between that and there's a, there's a harmony, but there are some times that, that, you know, tech guys, and band guys are separated, and you're part of both camps. Did you ever get any shit or any sort of drama with that, or have you always been the sort of hero?
0: Never at all, because I, I worked with guys like Adam Day and McBob, and we we had a little we would jam uh, sound checks with Guns and Roses at the rehearsal studio or whatever or the, or the studio. No, I was always welcome to him because I was always like Matt Sorm's roommate when I came in <laughs> and I started the fold. So I was always sort of accepted. But whenever I worked on a record. I was there to work on a record, not be a drummer. I was not to, to put, not, 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 not be a drummer, but not to say, oh, hey, this is my band, check it out. Here's my tape, here's my, my cassette tape, here's my CD. Never said that. People that I got to have relationships with, bands, um, and, and, and it's organic, it's not every band, but the majority of bands I think I've become friends with and drummers, they would be interested in what I was doing. And they dug what I was doing. I remember Trey Cool asked me to go on the road after I worked with him in 94, 95. And I turned him down because I wanted to play drums. I was in Dad's porn and, and nobody turns Trey Cool down, but I did. And and you know what? You know his. And I could have been out. I could have been out of his world, but he, he put a spin on it and said, okay, he goes, that's cool. He goes, you're going to be playing drums. You're going to be not on tour with a band touring as a tech, and you're going to be working on records. So the next time we hire you to work with us you're going to have that much more experience and you're going to be that much better. And you're going to have that many more scenarios and that many more options for my record. So he turned it around as a positive. I love it. So, well, um, I love, you know how much I love, are, you know that I
1: appreciate Trey cool so much because for one, Uh, the three of us have golfed together and we've had some pretty good times of golfing. That's another thing, folks, that we have uh, very much in common, but haven't done nearly enough is that uh, Mike caught the golfing bug. I think a little bit after I moved to Sweden and then I was fully immersed into it, especially the last few years, but the, you know, we, we've definitely have the same golfing bug, but, haven't done it nearly enough, but Trey cool went with us a couple times and we did enjoy ourselves. And he also came down and jammed with us that one time. Um, at, we played in, a, I think it was somewhere on the, on the beach. Pier, yeah. Santa somewhere in Santa Monica. He came in and yeah. he destroyed, he just destroyed like, like completely de- like folks. He literally just almost destroyed the drum kit, but he destroyed, um, uh, I think it was stepping stone when it, go-
0: yeah. <laughs> and it goes into, yeah. well, am I right with that song? Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. We, we, um, I, I remember Green Day was doing a video for one of their things, and then after the video, we cut out, and we had that gig, and then he came with me to, to Santa Monica on the pier. Was it Rusty's, like, Surf Ranch or something? Dude, that's a great memory. It
1: was Rusty's Surf Ranch. Folks, don't Google it because it probably doesn't exist right now. It's probably right. permanently out of business, but damn it, that was great. It's, I think
0: it's I think it's Bubba Gump Shrimp Company now, <laughs> which is a corporate thing. So, But, yeah, he came and, and hung with us, and he was a huge supporter. And what's really funny, I woke up this morning, and I saw – um, I posted about the show again and he liked it at some point in the night. And, you know, it's like, it's cool to see that those guys are kind of keeping tabs on you or, or, or interested in what you're doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm family with those guys now and, and, and they came to our wedding. And, yeah. and by the way, going back to, why don't you come to Burbank? It worked for me because my wife, my beautiful wife came to Burbank and never yeah. left. That's so, right. um, you live it. You know, so. what, it's,
1: it's not just cool. It's Trey cool. Um, the thing is, I want to move on a little bit because I am sort of keeping it, folks, on a on a little bit of a schedule. I'm, we're, we're trying to tighten things up over here at In the Trenches uh, podcast because Vic is, uh, well, he's got a Tiger shirt on. <laughs> and And folks, I really wish you could see it at one point. Maybe we'll bring it on. It might be the wrong merch for Tiger Army, but it is a very...
0: It's not. It's not even bootleg tiger. It, it's not, I think. So Vic, it, we're gonna sort. We're gonna send you a sort care Patch. I think Vic just went to a souvenir shop.
1: It. Yeah, he might have just gone to a souvenir shop at a local zoo, and that's what he got. But the thing is, I want to find out a little bit more about the evolution because you're you're playing in Dad's porno mag. At this point, yeah. we've expanded to a four piece. Stephanie Deke is on bass guitar, and Carrie Kelly is on guitar. Now, this is that whole thing I talk about being cool to your band members because they will either lead you into the next band or you'll probably have some association with it. Isn't it true that Kerry Kelly might've had something to do with your association with warrant, or did you have something to do with his association with warrant? Cause at one point you and Kerry are both playing in the 1980s, uh, hair metal sensations warrant.
0: Well, well, what's, no, it was, it was probably, it was, um, I was found, um, there's the lean-in shot right there. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted yeah. everybody to see, I wanted everybody to see the Japanese uh, dragon on my, my sleeve. Is that a serious uh, clothing see, shirt? Uh, is that serious clothing? Uh, oh, probably. Yeah. Magnus, oh, dude, how about Magnus is some crazy car designer now.
1: He's just a, he's a mogul. He's a, he's a mogul um, mogul. No,
0: you know, how, how Warrant came about was, From Dad's Porno Mac, I started playing with Gilby. Mark Anzeisen left the band. Who's in our chat, by the way, and has actually uh,
1: thrown you a bunch of credit uh, because he said that the, the sound of the Gilby Clark album has... Mike's stamp all over. You are responsible for that drum sound of the uh, Pawn Shop Guitars album. Plus, Mark Denzizen. Just for those of you that would like to know, and I'd love to give the credit. He sang a lot of background vocals on all the records that we've made together, whether it's Roxy '77 or Dad's Porno Mag. Mike Danz Mark Denzizen's voice has always been a prevalent part of that. So, so you were jamming with Gilby, and then what? How does how does that switch to? Uh, we
0: were jamming with Gilby. We played at that club. Uh, it was the third anniversary. In Las Vegas for a great club called Pinkies. Pinkies had all the rock bands come through and their side projects. So Janie Lane, I got I, I, Janie Lane was there for this uh, third anniversary, and Gilby Clark band was playing, and I was playing with Gilby, and uh, um, we played our we did our sound check, and then we we did a cover, and then Gil, we had Janie come up and do um, at sound check do uh, like a, a Suffragette City or or a Beatles song or whatever. I don't, I don't remember what it was. And we jammed with him. He came up on stage during our set cause he was just doing acoustic things. So he came up and he was our special jam guest. We did a few songs and it was sort of, to be honest with you, um, it was like, it was this cool little blend. So a couple weeks later I was back in LA and I got a, I got a call from, uh, from like Bobby um, Steinman saying Janie wants to do an, like a, like a, a band, like a cover band with guys from Rat, guys from Warrant. You can be the drummer from, from Gilb using that name. It's all It was always about associating a name. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, I couldn't believe that he remembered me. He invited me to a Warrant show at the Roxy and whatever. So I, he goes, Aubie, do you want to do it? I said, like, do I want to do it? Of course I want to do it. So we did this thing. And it, you know what? I want to say it was the pre, at least in LA, from what I know, it was sort of the first of the, kind of all-star bands. Not that I was an all-star, but band guys going together and doing covers. What became the star effers at the Cat Club, what became Camp Freddy right. um, or, or uh, Kings of Chaos and all of this stuff. We, we, but it was Janie Lane doing it because he loved to play all these other songs. So we had Robbie Crane on bass. We had Danny Wagner, who was, at the time, the drummer of Warrant. Um, uh, we had um, Carrie Kelly on guitar. And we would do these clubs. And we did the little run. The run, it would be San Diego. Um, uh, Phoenix, um, Vegas, Mason and jar, on LA or something like yes, that. <laughs> it was, it was, it was those things. And, and we'd all make a few hundred bucks a show or whatever. It was just a lot of fun. Right. One day, one day, um, Janie said, uh, it was January 1st. He said, we just played our, our gig and Danny quit the band. Warren, we have a couple, we have like five or six gigs in a week. I told the guys in the band about you. Learn these songs. You're going to do these gigs, but I'll be honest with you and Warren. They're going to do a cattle call and get some kid that's skinny with long, blonde hair, pay him nothing to go on the road with Warren. And I said, great. Did the five gigs. Um, the next thing I know, a week later, there's a message on my machine from Eric Turner saying, hey, we have a photo shoot. Are you available Tuesday at 2 o'clock to do a photo shoot? And I called the manager, obviously, a photo shoot for Warren. I said, I thought you guys were going to get a kid with long, skinny, blonde hair, to be the drummer. No, they love you. You're, they want you to do these, be in the band, do the photo shoot. So that was the start. And there, porn, and there, and there was mean? the
1: sort of plant seed seed planted for the lean your face in closer to the camera photo shoot. That we
0: Exactly. Love. Um, Janie knew Carrie Kelly from all of us, from what we were doing. He knew about dad's former Mac. He knew what was happening, you know, with, you know, he had a thing. And Carrie at the time was on big bang babies and whatever. Yeah. So Kerry did the first um, run with us. Then he got the gig with Rat playing guitar. We yep. got Billy Morris from Cleveland, who's in that, within that picture on the right. And then that was the band. I was in the in and out of the band for ten years until Janie died, and um, and that was sort of the, the thing. And in that in and out of, of time, in two thousand four, I had um, I had drum teched on a couple of Tiger Army records. Um, that was my my start into Tiger Army. Um, uh, the drummer. Um, Fred Hell was shot in a robbery gone bad. Yeah, it's like a and, home invasion.
1: Uh, that's that's how yes. it, it ended up happening. And he couldn't play the drums for the video. So, okay, I, I do want to get into this because, okay. folks, we I'll are now we, we are now sort of venturing on. We're here with Mike Fisano, um a drummer, multifaceted drummer, uh, big spectrum of bands, obviously Dad's Porno Mag, Warrant. And now we're moving on to a band that uh, perhaps... It, you wouldn't think is in Mike Fazzano's wheelhouse, but it fits in perfectly. Folks, look at him. He is a hundred percent Tiger Army, and I believe Psychobilly is the name of the genre of music that it's clar- car- uh, sort of clarified as. But you get into this band, the only standing member of the band, because it's it's gone through its members throughout the years, is Nick Thirteen. Yeah. And I just wanted you to know that there's only basically one or two others that have been in it longer. So you are almost the Bruce Kulick of Tiger Army just so you know.
0: (laughs) You always gotta be the Bruce Kulik of something. Bruce is a great guy.
1: (laughs) And there you go, and there you have it. But it's an American Psychobilly band. Uh, They are from the uh, Northern California area, originally formed, and then migrated down to Southern California. Jerry Finn, who you you spoke of before, who you had this relationship with your drum company, uh, working in and out of the studios, who actually produced a track of Dad's Porno Mag, uh, that, okay. of, of a Carrie Kelly song called "Tweaked" that I don't think anyone's ever heard. In fact, if anybody in the chat can go find that, Vic, can you play a little clip of "Tweaked" right now? Can you put? No, okay. So what? Hey!
0: Alright folks he slow it, Did he slow it down So we it doesn't get Recognized by YouTube so No no right. Trust
1: me There will not be Any copyright infringement I think everybody Owns that song That was not the song That we uh, produced With Jerry Finn right. though But that was the video It was one of the only Videos that we made With Dad's Porno Mag And that was The original lineup That was Mike Fazzano Will Efforts on bass And myself And the Love Van And uh, that video itself uh, For a song called Big Fat Song You can find it on on YouTube, you can find it. Here's a little shameless plug right on the uh, Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel. If you just hit that subscribe button, you can go check it out after the podcast. But uh, yeah, that, that was a kind of a cool video. I was going to ask you, did you yeah. did you ever make any videos with Warrant?
0: No, and you know what's really funny about that is there's not even a lot of live footage. Even over that 10-year span, I think there's a Hampton Beach New Hampshire show, show in 2000 when I first got the band. Okay. that's up it's full clips and then there's a few things I mean I think when Jan- Janie passed away a few more things came up but there's not a lot of stuff just as there's not a lot of stuff of us um in Dad's playing, uh, yeah. when we were playing clips and when I was in Tiger Army in 2004 there's not there's there's nothing my my wife actually has a little clip from the side stage because we met on the work tour together and she had clipped uh, a little clip but there's not a lot of stuff which is crazy where where everything is filmed now yeah, and there's I so it. much content everywhere well
1: but the point was we do we do have a dad's Port-O-Mag video that will always live in infamy or, or or fame because we have a special cameo. Cameo being the key word. Look at that by Matt by Matt Sorum, Who's so if you watch the video, there is a little bit of a you know right. Matt being your sort of house guest as well, and uh, it was filmed yeah. up at Matt's mansion at, mansion at that time. So I know we're jumping around and he, and he a little bit. Lived
0: next- he lived next to Madonna. She was the next house I over. I did not know that. Those he parties would walk were to crazy. His property, try, trying to catch eyes with her, but she'd never go out to that portion of her property.
1: A lot of firsts happened with Mike and I at uh, Matt Sorum parties, and I don't know if we could talk about them here on In the Trenches, but a lot of first things happened. Um, laundry rooms, and the, I remember Matt used to have an amazing uh, house out in Malibu, we that we would go to parties out there. Sometimes it would start on a Friday, and end on a Sunday, folks. It really was boogie nights yeah. come to life. And then, uh, <laughs> then he had that party up in the Holly. Then he had that house up in the Hollywood Hills yeah. where he would have uh, a lot of parties. But I do digress. I want to go back because when you first joined Tiger Army, yes, it was for a, a short window. But during that window. Yeah. You were on the Warped Tour, and you got asked to be yeah. on the Warped Tour. And so how did it come and go, and what happened in, in that little window? To, to You obviously did something right that you would get asked back.
0: Right. Well, yes, I'm so fortunate for that. But well, what happened was, is in Warrant, um, I had met this girl named Sally from Dallas. Her name's not really Sally, but we're just going to call her Sally from Dallas. <laughs> and um, she was waiting for Janie Lane for hours, like three hours, uh, in the front lounge of the bus while Janie was entertaining friends in the back lounge. And um, she had to go have her dog, had to let her dog out to pee. And then I went with her to her house. We we hung out we talked. She was really, you know, cool I, at the time, I thought. And um, and then the next, we were back uh, in Texas a, a week later in Houston. We were in Dallas to Houston, and she came to the show, and um, I had told Janie, hey, this girl's waiting for you. And he goes, yeah, I know, I know, I know, whatever. And I go, well, hey, I'm going to kind of go to her house and, and whatever. Go, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Well, apparently it wasn't cool <laughs> because when, when, when she, came, when she came, to, um, came to Houston, Janie said something on stage god love him like oh look at mr prim and proper behind the drums mike Fazzano you know uh blah 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 meaning i was uh minding my p's and q's and not being a rock pig oh. so um um and um so this led to the ouster I thought, I thought to of warrant
1: this, le- this led this led this led to this you is getting... the
0: first this is the seventh firing okay this is me at number seven so you got seventh drummer getting fired Ousted. she so wasn't into it Ousted so from warrant. I'm we sorry, we're talking
1: over each other right now. I'm really sorry because that is the delay, folks, and we could do this all yeah. day like that. But yeah. ousted from warrant. But, uh, but, then, but then you somehow make it into uh, Tiger Army that same year.
0: Yes, because at that time, I had played on the Ghost Tigers Rise record. That's when Fred was shot. He played it. They were going on this. I got, I got fired because it obviously wasn't cool that I dated this girl. I ended up dating this girl for a couple of years, which was, um, which was, you know, a a very great learning experience. Wait, Um, is this the girl um, that, that that
1: Janie Lane was talking about just now? That girl from Texas? Yes. Shit! Yes. So the whole yeah. story all makes sense. Sally, it's,
0: Sally from Dallas.
1: Sally yeah. from Dallas, but her name's not really Sally because it's going to eventually yeah. be a Quentin Tarantino film. I love the fucking I'm sorry. I, I thought this is the story had nowhere, but I, it was going twists and turns. How Warren and so, Tiger so he, Army intertwined. He, he,
0: he fired me. Um, so at that time, I was fired. The bass player from uh, from Tiger Army, Jeff Kresge, said to me, we He lived in Burbank. We'd meet for coffee." And he, and he just said to me, Hey, what are you doing? What's going on? I said, well, there's no really set. There's nothing, there's no sessions booked for the, for the business. People were touring. Um, I said, I, I got fired from Warren and, um, and I've got nothing going on. He goes, he goes, do you want to go on tour with us next week? And I go, why? What happened? He goes, well, Fred got shot. He's still not recovered after we did the record six months ago. He's, we, we did a couple of things. He's still not 100% there. So I went to see them play at the LA two sold out house of Blues shows. And I said, well, you can get them on a click. I tried so hard to keep Fred in the band. And I think they were just done with it and they had to do this tour. And the warp tour is grueling. It's, it's 28 shows in 30 days. It's, it's grueling. And you never know when you're going to go on,
1: on a warp tour, right? Don't they, they, they come up with a lineup. Three o'clock,
0: five o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever. So, um, so I did the tour. Um, I was fired from Warrant, um, and, you know, at the time, I wasn't, um, I you know, Warren was a party, right? You, you know what a party is on the road. And Tiger Army wasn't. Nick was very serious about his music. Nick, ha- Nick had a, 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 a style, a direction, and um, a message. And it wasn't about, oh, cherry pie. It was serious. Yeah. He had serious content. And, you know what, at the time, I just didn't get it. And I told him you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, I'm so glad I, and I left and I went back to warrant. They hired me back. Um, and that, that seventh, and that would be the ninth portion of warrant of being the drummer. Um, and they probably had 21 drummers now, but, um, that's the terrible thing The drummer's the first guy always to go for whatever reason. But, um, but, um, I, I, I just said, Nick, I've got to go back to warrant. That was my thing. And, 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 you know, I'm sure he wasn't happy about it, but I, I, I said it to him. We talked, like men. And that's Nick's the type of guy, mean what you say, say what you mean. And, um, you know, fast forward, um, fast forward years later, he asked me to do two shows and two shows in 2015 turned out I'm still in the band. Um, But the other thing about Nick, going back to Nick, when, um, when he, when Fred wasn't cutting it in the studio and they were three days into this Ghost Out of Years Rise record after I had tuned drums and I got the call at midnight to play the next day. I said well i could probably do the rock stuff but i'm not sure about the psychobilly stuff and the psychobilly for anybody who doesn't know what it is if everybody knows the stray cat we're a prunk rock version of the stray cat and now psychobilly is just one little slice of the pie with with um with um tiger army it's very vast there's 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 country influences there's swing influences there's latin influences and be, with all of that being said, I remember when I was on the cruise ships and I had gotten off the cruise ships, Matt said, get off the cruise ships. I, I played in a band, uh, this Karen Fields band. And my friend David Hunter at the time, roommate, said to me, said to Karen, oh, might just got off a cruise ship. So when I got off the cruise ship and I was playing with Karen, even though I wanted to be Bobby Blotzer from Rat or Tommy Lee. You've gone um, into name geez. drop overload. No, 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 I, I can't no, 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 keep up. <laughs> I mean, no, but I was a rock guy. And right. so, and but she looked at me as not being rock enough. Now, with that being fast forward, Nick heard me checking the drums. He saw that I had a, a a ghost note in my my left hand. He saw that I could had a swing to my playing. That's why when they asked me to do the record, I was like, maybe I can play the rock stuff, but I don't know about the psychability stuff. I ended up doing the whole record, and um, he saw something in my playing. Karen Fields thought, "Oh, you're just a, a cruise ship jazz drummer." You're not Nick said you've got swing. You've got whatever to this day. If it wasn't for Nick 13 and his brilliance in music style stylings, cause he loves all the old stuff. Um, I have a gig and all of yeah. that cruise ship stuff that helps you out. As funny is people. Yes. Got me to where I'm at today. I love it. So, I mean, just to, just to kind of do back and that is a, the, point that on. is
1: sort of the evolution of your performance and the whole time folks you have to realize that Mike Fasano's has his own studio drum business that he's working every single day because the the work ethic that it takes to there you have to work around their schedules in the business and then you do your rock shows at night but now fortunately because of your position in Tiger Army uh, you've had a lot more time to play the music go on the tours I was able to see Mike Fasano and Tiger Army play in Stockholm just a few short years ago that was a blast as well but uh, it was so yeah. great to
0: see you and, and meet Bianca.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, there it is. Fonzano. Well, apparently you have a lot of nicknames, but that, again, that's another story because we are moving on to a section called Let the People Speak because you know what, folks? I've been speaking. Mike Fasano has definitely been speaking and he's been dropping those names, folks. We're with Cat Dad, Mike Fasano. It's time for our segment, Let the People Speak. And what happens is... <laughs> Holy crap! Oh my god, I didn't even know that was gonna happen. Vic has once again surprised these put the podcast world upside down with his production skills. Vic Chalfant and the Let the People Speak segment. Um, our first question comes from at Jackie.kaway2. Who is your favorite drummer? This is where we get the folks in the chat who have been very, very loyal and having their own sort of conversations back and forth the whole entire episode. We get them, we compile their questions, they ask them to you. And Mike, can you please tell us who is your favorite drummer?
0: You never could have a favorite drummer as you could never have a favorite guitar player. The first concert I ever saw was the Police Picnic 1983 in Toronto, Canada when uh when i when i first took a plane ride first took a vacation with my mom she was divorcing my dad and i saw the police pick and i saw stuart copeland the only thing i knew was every breath you take my canadian cousin laura was uh the one who turned me on to the whole back catalog before we, we stayed an extra week to see this concert i knew all the songs we were on the railing we were there it was a whole seven band show the police came on and i said oh my god i i played drums i played drums in the. St. Robert Bellarmine, uh Flag Salute Band. High school, we didn't have a, a, a band program, but I was in a band. Um, uh, I hadn't obviously hadn't played on cruise ships yet or whatever, but um, I said, I've got to do this. I've got to play drums. I would say Stuart um, uh, even though I played nothing like him, I love a guy named Russ Kunkel who played on um, a ton of stuff in the 70s and 80s. I love Mickey Curry who played on um, uh, the Holland Oats Oates, and uh, he played on the cult record Sonic Temple and Ceremony. Um, I love, um, I love, uh, Louis Belson, who is a, a an old, uh, uh, big band drummer and, um, gosh, um, uh, Matt Sorum, the big brother I've always wanted, but never had. He was such an inspiration to me. Um, just living with him and taking me under his wing and, and, um, you know, those, those are, I guess my, my five guys that, that I would, uh, I would just off the cup and then they're not the usual guys. A lot of people say, Oh, John Bonham and. Yeah. And, uh, whoever, and, and, you know, I miss Bonham and I, and I love Blotzer. Um, it's always and, David Grohl, like, you know, John
1: Bonham, Tommy Lee. Yeah. You know, so, it,
0: yeah. So, I,
1: I get it. I get it. But it's in, in that same sense that the guitar part, the guys that I like guys like Neil Giraldo, might not get mentioned yeah. all the time. Yeah. Elliot Easton from the cars, sure. you know, but Steve Stevens. I know he, he gets mentioned a lot, but maybe not in the, in those sort of page, you know, and uh, sort of slash mentions but honestly, these sure. guys write such great parts. Not that everyone doesn't uh, put in their uh, deserve to have that that sort of household. If you're a household name, folks, you're a household name and I'm speaking with household name, future household name, Mike Fisano right now. We're ready to our, another question of Let the People Speak. Uh, this comes from at mcar94. Your favorite song that you have been part of at a recording session. Now, this can include recl- I guess this can include you being the drum whisperer that you are. Um, are there is there a favorite song or that you, a memorable song? Because I know that you actually have done some sessions with some pretty heavy cats. I mean...
0: Okay, I think I, there's a couple of things. Um, when I worked with Green Day on Insomniac, there was a song called Brain Stew Jaded and the first half of the song is doo 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 that Trey played real the Kind slow of a doo- Zeppelin vibe yeah, yeah. doo 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 down, doo-doo, and, down. Right? and then it and then it kicks in to doo, doo-doo, doo-doo, doo doo that doo that which is his wheelhouse Trey had such a hard time playing doo doo slow you know what i mean this cuz they were they were punk and fast up to this this song uh, with the other couple records And I remember he did about four takes and they did it to tape and they, um, he said, he goes, he goes, I'm just, just edit it. They edited this track together and it's a great song because it goes from this heavy, slow thing at ocean way in this beautiful room where you guys did flash snake bit, where we did snake bit eventually with Jack Douglas Yep. um, to uh, this fast punk rock song. And um, which is his wheelhouse, which he nailed, but um, they clipped this, these, these tape pieces, the best of four takes together. And I think when it came out and it was mixed and mastered, I think Trey heard himself being able to play this really slow groove. And I remember go, going to see the concert and they played like the Home Depot center, the soccer thing out in like Long Beach or Lawndale or something, seeing him. And I was at the soundboard and he pulled that tempo so far back in this massive soccer uh, stadium. And I was just like, man, he's got it. He heard himself how he could play slow and he really became better. Green Day also did the transition where they started to slow down and write different songs. They weren't as angry about um, stuff and, and uh, whatever. So if you listen to American idiot, um, there's a lot of slower stuff. There's a, it's like a rock opera, but anyways, he did the song. It was amazing. But one of my favorite songs I ever played on with you was on Roxy 77, Atom um, bombs and second chances. And I believe it's just called second chances. It is. And there's another yeah. slow ballad. And one of the best, Bridges to the solo, musically and lyrically ever written. Well, thank you was very by much. By you man. and I listen to that song for inspiration all the time. That's one I listen to all the time. One of the greatest songs. And I encourage all of our listeners or watchers find the Dad's Porn Mag stuff. Find the um, find the Roxy '77 stuff. It's really great stuff. We did a lot of really great stuff back then, and you're still doing great stuff. Anyway, there you go. Yeah,
1: how old is that kid on our uh, first album, Dad's Porno Mag? Not that kid, Carrie Kelly, and not that kid, the idiot with the braids. But uh, the other one that uh, we were just showing, the uh, Dad's Porno Mag album, there, that first one uh, was his. Wow was, was, was that Wade? That was that was Gilby's cousin, yeah. I believe. And that room right there, folks. If you can just hold on, that nope, you can't hold on that. Um, <laughs> um the thing is that uh, that that actual. Concept of that album cover that was shot at Rick Reinholz,en who produced the one and only Dad's Porno Mag video that we did. Big fat song. That was Rick Reinhold's room when we lived in Los Angeles. So there you go. And if That's you can cool. see all those things in, if you look very closely, you can see there's a Frampton comes Alive album. There's a Boston album. There's a journey album. He's looking at a playboy magazine, folks. It's two 2020. Uh, nobody even knows what playboy magazine is anymore. There's a skateboard there, which is now skater boy country. Again, he's wearing a Raiders cap. There's a poster of Heather friggin Thomas and Farrah Fawcett in it. I love it. this album cover. I, we got to get back to it at one point, folks,
0: but there you go. Um, Wait, can I say one thing? This record was so great that we released it twice um, <laughs> with two different covers.
1: Yes, we did. Well, Hey man, we're on, we were on wax tone records at the first album. That was we wax were. tone. And I think you're on another tone record. You've, you've had a, uh, I think your current label is, is Play tone or some, some tone no, records.
0: Lunatone. Lunatone.
1: Luna tone. All right. There it is. You're, you're, um, very favorite to the tone records. Um, one more question here from Alex Petrini at Alex Petrini, your biggest fear. What is it?
0: Every night going on stage. Um, Ser- serious especially with stuff? Tiger. Yeah. With Tiger. Yeah. With Tiger Army, especially because, you know, um, he reads the crowd he reads the show tempos push they pull um and you can't you know we're hired you know uh, we're in his band george A, the bass player uh george stupovic and i are are the ones to be the foundation and, and follow his move and his his thing and um so it's yeah i mean every night i have a either uh a, a ritual superstition i, I you know, start warming up at a certain time. I put my shirt on at a certain time. I, I put my deodorant on a certain time, I put my guy liner at a certain time. You know, I mean, I do c- certain amount of things. I get in the zone because um, every night I got to deliver. I still, you know, especially, especially coming from um, working behind the scenes and, you know, tuning and, and having a business and like that. I just, I just want people to go. I've always kept the tuning and the business part and the drum rental thing separate than the playing. And, now, in my, my older years, I, I don't you know, really care anymore because I had lost gigs because people would say, oh, you're just a drum tech and you're not a drummer. And then uh, whatever. So I just don't want people to go, man, that guy sucked. And, I, and I, of course, and I don't want to be the greatest drummer in the world. I just want to be the best drummer I can be in Tiger Army and whoever I'm playing with. But really, Tiger Army is the, the main thing um, that, that I, I, I love and am so Let me ask you this. Is
1: it it, it harder or just different to play with an electric bass player that plays an electric bass or a stand-up bass player as a drummer? Because we all know that drummers and bass players have that sort of locked-in feel. They have to. They are the rhythm section. They are sort of the concrete foundation of any song. How different is it to play with a stand-up bass player or a regular electric bass player?
0: That's a great question. Um, it is very difficult. I remember when I got called to do the Gross Triggers Rise record, Jeff Crescott at the time had, um, the, you know, there's, a, there's a, the slap of the string, there's the low end of, of the, the, the notes of a bass, and then there's that, like a mid thing and there's a blend. And I remember when we were going through these, the songs, I had to actually have the, the um, engineer turn the slap down because it was throwing me off. And, and, you know, it's really funny. Speaking of the Stray Captain Swim Jim, and I told him this once when I was talking to him, I always thought the clackety-clack of the groove was him playing on, like, the rim of the snare drum or the tom, but it wasn't. It was the slap of the bass string in that, because basically what psychobilly is is, like, punk, a punk rock ability is what yeah. psychobilly is. To me, that's how I explain it to my demographic of people um and uh so i had to have that turned out so i can just hear the root note so i could lock in with that and then everything on top and all of that movement is from the slap of, of the base so it is difficult but i learned quick and then now playing with Georgey, we've we've been playing together for five years now that guy is just phenomenal and sometimes you know we're on stage and we don't have our own monitor guys so we're, we rely on um, whatever the house monitor guy is. And sometimes I get great monitors of him and he plays some shit that is so crazy. I just, I start laughing cause I'm scared. It's crazy. And I, and, and, and I, and it's like, I, I, I look at like some of the clips and the videos and I'm just going, man, that's amazing. I can't believe I'm behind that guy and that guy, Nick 13 doing this. And I don't know how we do it, but we do it. And it's absolutely crazy. And we're, we're a great unit and I that's good. Well, this, it's, this it's cool that you
1: have uh, you have both uh, experiences to work off of again you know yeah. with playing with upright drummers or upright bass players uh, standard bass players and maybe it has a little bit to do with playing with rock guys like me or doing those cruise ships that we did earlier so now here comes a question from at Feder Rock and Roll 77 uh, which is the musical collaboration that's enriched you the most and you, this can be like of all the bands and uh, sort of collaborations that you've done. The, it could be the, uh, whoops, there's my fingers over here. It could be the, the um, cruise ships, Dad's Porno Mag, Warrant, Tiger Army. Is it one particular one that stands out for you or is it just a combination of everything that's been on your drumming journey?
0: You know what, I'm going to, it's simple. You, Ryan, and Dad's Porno Mag, Mag changed my life because I got to, to um, play... Um, music Like he turned me on to great music. Like we would do uh, covers that I'd never heard of, like Steeler's Wheels. Um, uh, we would do Allison. Uh, we would do stuff. Then we were doing our music, which was Cheap Trick. And to be honest with you, the only Cheap Trick at the time I knew was I Want You to Want Me. And um, and we were very Cheap, cheap Trick, pop, Power Pop influenced at that time. But I'm going to say you, I'm going to say dad's porn man. But the elements of the cruise ship early on Got me to where I am today with Tiger Army because Nick saw the value in the swing and the cha-cha's and the rumbas and and all of that stuff's on the on our new record that's out now that's called Retro Future and it, it, but but I put a rock element to it. It's not this wimpy light thing. There's still that rock foundation of of of, of it. So Retro um,
1: Future is that when did that come out and uh, how
0: many? Go ahead. September 2019. We toured. Um, the States, we uh, toured Europe, uh, we went to Mexico, and then we were going to start a tour in March as COVID-19 stopped everything. Right. So um, it's a really cool record um, if, you, if you guys have Definitely time. Definitely check to it out. To. Definitely
1: check out Mike Visano and uh, the Tiger Army's newest uh, record. Of course... Um... <laughs> <laughs> there's one question that we have to get to from our last question of Let the People Speak. It's the one that we, the mystery that we've all been waiting to find out. This one comes from Ed Mike Usnick, of course, from Pink Sock Podcast fame. How did the name The Sack come about or do I even want to know? And before we get into this question uh, or, or maybe open this can of worms, just know that we've always been into, Mike and I, uh, a bit of, we've always had some playful names with for each other or just, or, or types of things that we would say sayings. Like there was a time when we were in dad's porno mag that we came up with, uh, I ate Disney. And I have no I reason reason why I ate Disney became the, the sort of,
0: sort of uh, phrase that we would say, but we would say it almost all the time. Right. Do you know why it happened? We were rehearsing at North in North Hollywood, at Andre Arango studio. And there was, we, I had the big, uh, you had, I had the big Cadillac. You had the I van. had a Cadillac. I had back. a Cadillac, a. too. Yeah. Yes. Okay, <laughs> you had the Cadillac. I had the Cadillac. Didn't we, we do a photo shoot?
1: We did a photo shoot on a we Cadillac. Did. Is it, is it, did, we Mick, did. Mick, can you bring that photo shoot up? Uh, no? no, no. You look at him shaking his head.
0: You know, you have that photo shoot? Come on, man. Right. And do you remember one of the guys in the neighborhood, um, some black, funky gentleman who lived in the neighborhood, Saw you pull up, and you probably had a fur on and your big shades, and he went to you. I ain't Disney, <laughs> and so
1: it, just stuck. it well, just stuck. Well, that stuck, and then the other term, Mark. For some reason, I, we would I would call you Mark. Now, how did that come about? Was it well, Mark Denzey? You,
0: you wanted me, a, me to be more like Mark Denzey, so you'd call me Mark. You'd, you'd lengthen it. <laughs> but uh, our friend Mark who is a super talented drummer, super talented uh, singer, songwriter, super talented just, oh, and an artist too. He would do our logo heads too. Producer our and logo heads. Shit, Mark uh, yeah. Mark is so your anyway. one-stop
1: stop one-stop one stop shop for everything yeah. that's talent, man. I love it. Well, there it is. You know what? And and apparently the family even makes chocolate milk. The Den Zeisen dairy farm has a new Alice <laughs> Cooper chocolate milk. Go endorse it really? right now. There is. So it gets us to our main event, which is, Mike Musnick wants to know, how did the name The Sack come about?
0: I'm going to show you. Oh, no, 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 no! do not show me. No,
1: no, I know the reason why. You don't have to show me, folks. Because I, close I your carry eyes. this
0: big thing around okay, with hold me. Hold on. Check let's, it out. Let's go back.
1: Let's see. Yep uh see it's a
0: sack. Oh, you like that? it's a, it's, D- it's a D- backpack
1: D- that's all it was folks nothing to see here
0: everything is in there <laughs> uh right. you know Mike Mike I'll tell you what if if I ever uh pop onto your show I'll tell you about it I think Pink sock podcast is uh, more appropriate it is for, a more appropriate for, podcast for the, the show. Real answer and yeah. if you get a couple beers in me it'll it'll be a good story and honestly
1: I can tell you this. You can get a couple beers or maybe a couple Coke cans, and um, it, it it was one of our it was one of our backstage passes. We used to have a laminate. Yeah, our very first oh, dad's porta mag laminate was oh, um, a Coke can, and um, we'll just say Mike the sack. It was a Pepsi can. Was it Pepsi? Just if
0: anybody's looking for it. Okay. It, yeah. <laughs> it was a the Pepsi brand. Can and I remember. I don't know what tour we were on. I don't know if we were opening up for one of Matt Sorum's bands. I think it, it was, was Snake. Yeah. Cause my mom came to Vegas when we played the joint and they all had our, my mom had that laminate around her neck <laughs> and never realized what it was. And, and all she said to me was, all she said to me was, you guys played and it was, I was on the table and my drink was, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom. And my drink was moving from my table, but she never realized what she had around her neck.
1: And folks, we will leave the sack mystery better left unsolved. <laughs> <laughs> so folks, let's move on. We you know what, your your gear. We talked about it real uh earlier, but I want to real briefly give shout-outs to your gear because you've always been very loyal to your brands. We talked about how you started off with Pork Pie drums and then you've yeah. made the switch to uh, the Gretsch drum kit. But we also want to hear because about the other types of equipment that you use. Because, you know, when I do the guitar players that get on the show, we go a little guitar geek gear heavy. But as drummers go, what do you got? Sticks, you got cymbals, and you've got, um, I guess, in-ear monitors that, you, that you'd that you need as far as the drums. So you got the Gretsch drums. Yeah. What about sticks?
0: Yeah. Uh, Vic Firth sticks, and I've been with them for, for years. Because of Mark Shulman, our producer, when we were recording – the dad's porno mag record. He was a Vic Firth artist. He told, um, uh, Kelly Firth about me, uh, who's Vic Firth's daughter. She sent me a, uh, because there was no email back then. That's how, how old we were, um, or are.
1: There was AOL, yeah, no. but it took too long to sign on. It was AOL. and remember they had a modem and go, yeah. <laughs> so because
0: of Mark, Mark Schulman saying, hey, I'm producing this band, Dad's Pornomag, and, and Mike Pisano is, is my friend, and he's a he's a great drummer, and he loves the product. Uh, she sent me a contract, and I got signed. So I've been with them for years, from like 95 till now. Um, so Vic First Sticks, they make the best drumsticks. Um, I play Zildjian cymbals. I've, played, I've had help from Zildjian for over 20 years because of my relationship with Matt Sorum. And in 2015, I just signed a contract. And the great legendary Hal Blaine from the Wrecking Crew, I have a picture with him and my contract because I was doing something for him with one of my drum sets one day, and um, so Zildjian cymbals, uh, Remo Drumheads, I've been with Remo forever, um, and they're great. Um, it's it's crazy. Uh, and then Ultimate Ear um, in-ear monitors, yep. and and they're great. And and that that just kind of isolates uh, the sound and saves my ears every night. But, um, but yeah, those are my companies, but I was, I was with pork pie for a long time and my friend Bill makes great drums and it was just, it was a time after 27 years for our band and the style of music and the look of the gear and the stuff, it was time to move, um, move companies and I moved to Gretz drums and I'm, I'm really happy. To be a part of their family. Well it's a and, classic. Uh, and if you look I've right in it. there,
1: I can see Matt Sorms there. I can see Mark Schulman. There's a lot of cast of characters right right there. And there's Mike Vizzano not leaning his head in. Niels Lozauer obviously didn't do this photo shoot because Mike, your your uh, head looks normal. Your neck doesn't look extended.
0: <laughs> do you want to know something funny? I'm better at photo shoots now, even though I absolutely hate them. So when you guys were asking me for photos and Vic was asking me for photos and I was giving just photos I found off the line, I don't do photo shoots for myself. I did one for Gretsch for the endorsement, and that was it. And then I do the Tiger Army ones because they do it. But I would never, I'm the, I don't want to, photo of me. Uh, I photo shoot for me. You know what? But, I grabbed uh, so some kind of the of photos. Funny.
1: Some of the old photos that I grabbed off of dad's porno mag came exclusively from MySpace. I actually went on MySpace <laughs> last night because we had a hell of a MySpace uh, page, didn't we? And uh, this is a little bit of a carryover from last week's Orianti podcast, folks, because we were, were we're just trying to maybe bring back MySpace as lo- along with the uh, in the trenches podcast, but we are here with Mike Fazano. There it is. Maybe they should be our sponsor. What do you think about that, Vic? Huh? Does that sound sounds, good? Sounds great. It's time for never let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's in one line. Vic, do you have a segue for that now too? So I
0: don't get scared. No. Should I turn my earphones down? Because that laugh, I know, bumper the last was loud. loud.
1: No, he's got nothing. You got nothing for that? All right. Well, anyway. Oh. <laughs> never let the truth get in the way story of a good story it's a uh segment that we started because alice cooper does like to embellish the truth sometimes and we want to get to the bottom of dispelling rumors myths or controversies okay so our first myth is or maybe just a question is uh you can catch more social diseases you can get socially transmitted diseases from either a Plane, drums, and warrant, or B, being on the cruise ship lines back in the
0: 80s? That's great. Um, if I knew what I knew now, back when I was 19 on the cruise ships, I'd probably have a lot of diseases. But I was such a, a sweet young kid out there. I will tell you one funny story. One of our ships, the Crown Princess, was the inaugural sailing in 1991. And we, every port we went to from Italy, all the way across the Atlantic to New York, we had this inaugural where they break the um, the, the champagne bottle on it. It was this inaugural sailing. And I remember we had the Prince of Monaco on. And and, uh, and and I guess that's the son of Grace Kelly, who, who, who had passed away, he was on. But the daughter, I, I don't know what her name was. The daughter saw the doctor on the ship because she had crabs. And then like two weeks later, She must have slept with one of the the uh, um, captain's uh, men, uh, stewards uh, on the ship, uh, and crabs went around the ship. Whoa! Because of the princess daughter of Monaco or whatever. So anyway, so and it wasn't a special in the
1: lobster tail.
0: (laughs) It wasn't one of the. Yeah, it was crazy. So that was pretty weird.
1: (laughs) Oh boy! All right. Well, that's a good one. So now you just added the royal family. That's good for us. That's that's our exclusive. That's our (laughs) soundbite. (laughs) Hashtag <laughs> royal, royal family. <laughs> so now never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Have you or have you not had a gun pulled on you by famed producer Phil Spector when you were doing an actual studio? Uh, you did work for Phil Spector, am I right? So yeah, yeah. Th- Was a gun pulled or was there any sort of violence that happened in the studio? And what is your experience with Phil Spector? Yes.
0: Yeah. Whoa! There gun fact. There was uh, there a was fact. a gun. First of all, for, first of all, I, I one of I love the word fact because um, I don't. On a side note, is um, a lot of people talk shit. I talk fact. Um, so for for whatever that's worth, always talk fact. I'm never jealous of anybody, but if somebody's an asshole, I'm going to talk fact about them of my experiences with them. So anyway, yes, I, I uh, was working with Matt Sorum on a Celine Dion. Record that Phil Spector was. Um, oh, I love it, Mark. Eyes <laughs> and the first thing I've read today. That's great, you're quick, Mark. You're Mark quick. is quick. Mark
1: um, is quick. Um, uh,
0: so um, uh, we were working on this thing uh, for Celine Dion, and Phil Spector was pr- producing. Phil Spector does this thing, the wall of sound, where he has you know two drummers and um, he invented players. it. He invented like, the a, wall of
1: sound, right? T-
0: twenty twenty. Um, you know, or 30 musicians, we were doing an overdub with Matt Sorum. And, um, it was basically the guns N' roses, November rain, fill. that doom, do, do, doo. every four bars. that doom, do, do, doo. So we did that. We got it done in a couple of passes. We went into the room and what's crazy about Phil Spector is people would come to watch him record. This is like one thirty, two in the morning now. So it's not a day um,
1: job at this point. It's past being a day no, job. It's back at the
0: call at like, 11 o'clock, hey, could you bring drums down and we're going to do this thing. So to, to make a long story short is uh, there's something called quarter-inch tape um, loop do, doing a reverb. So he was on the, uh, he was he was in there and they were doing this playback of da, do, 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 And he kept turning his head going, quit fucking with me, quit fucking with me. Slow the tape down, slow the tape down to the engineer, just yelling at him, people looking at him, quit fucking with me, quit fucking with me. I'm gonna pull my gun out and shoot you, you know. So I'm like, okay, whatever, crazy. Fast forward to to nine in the morning because they had this this chaotic thing. This is a whole we can do a whole show on this. We're eating uh, uh, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Nine in, morning, at yeah. nine in the morning? How could you be eating at nine in the morning? I mean, because this session started at nine o'clock and nobody had eaten. It's an all night thing. That's how he rolled, right? Yeah, but all so, night
1: you're not eating at nine.
0: <laughs> that tells me something no, you're we're eating like breakfast. Grinding teeth at nine PM. So, <laughs> well, that's the crazy thing, right? So he uh, we're we're eating. He eventually stumbles in, this little skinny, frail guy, Phil Spector, who I had no idea who the hell he was i just knew he was a big heavy producer like i said i knew nothing i just knew how to tune drums and set up drums and play drums and music that's all i knew and i was always in situations with matt storm it was always a situation with somebody and i didn't care who they were because i had to take care of what i had to take care of anyway we're all eating everybody's zombies i managed to sleep for a couple hours because it was getting chaotic underneath the piano by the drums if they wanted to do more stuff i'd said let's order breakfast We order breakfast for everybody chicken and waffles Everybody's eating. Everybody's a zombi- zombie. I'm fresh and I had to eat my thing. Phil stumbles in. He starts eating the chicken. And then this thing is like, ah, 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 <laughs> this thing. And, and, and stuff started coming out like drool, ah, ah And I, I look up and everybody's eating. And I was just looking at him. And I was like, is he choking on a chicken bone? He's got to be choking on a chicken bone. I get behind him. I, I get this little feral guy with the fucking uh, toupee hair. And I grab him and I just do the heimlich. You Heimlich I wasn't trained. Yes, I Heimlich. him. I never knew the that you Heimlich.
1: fucking I, Phil Spencer.
0: I heimlicked him. him and um, he he uh, he turned around, like and reaching, and he pulled his gun out. He turned to me and he said, "Ah, I was gonna shoot you, but you saved my life."
1: Holy
0: that fuck! Was it. Now never heard now that I'm story. Now. I'm Phil Spector's friend he this is what's kooky we go at like six o'clock to um El Compadre across from Guitar Center to have dinner because the session's over now he takes Matt Sorum in his um his um Rolls Royce like John Lennon style with the driver in the suit with the hat I take Sorum's Porsche we arrive there who is there it's it's um it's uh Mark Furman from the OJ trial Kato Kalin a couple of bimbos there at this table. I'm sitting at a table, eating. It's the kookiest thing. He's introducing me to Mark uh, Mark Fur- Furman to get me a carry and conceal license to carry a gun, because <laughs> I've saved his life now. And it's just kooky. And I'm just like, Matt, I gotta get, I gotta get out of here. Matt. This is <laughs> this is gonna be like 24 hours now. He goes, I go, look, I'm gonna just take your car home. He, you know, get home. I'll bring your car here. Whatever. It was crazy. It's a crazy. Night. I'm just I'm just skimming the surface of the story. All right, how about this, Mike? Absolutely not. We
1: will have a whole other episode at some later point where we just break down the Phil Spector. Uh,
0: the game film.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll just break down the whole thing. Speaking of game film, I Disney Raiders are coming Wait. up, and I'm, I'm I'm all I'm all ready for it right now. We've been hanging out with Mike Oh, Hold on. He has some sort of new segment coming up. What is this? No,
0: no, 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 no. Sorry. Really quick. Just because we're on this story. Phil was so eccentric and whatever. He signed his check. Like, you know, normally there's a little line where you get paid and and they sign. You sign on that little line. This is the check, a copy of the check from the section. (laughs) Look at his signature. Holy shit.
1: Crazy. <laughs> he has a small dick. I mean, big signature hashtag, small dick. I, it has to be, man. I don't know. Hashtag
0: that, fact. There you go.
1: Oh, my God. So you kept it. So, so I love here's, it.
0: So here's the crazy thing. When when that girl got killed in his, in his, in his penthouse, yeah. I thought to myself, oh, my God, of course. Yeah. He pulled the gun out. The gun went off. Not that he intentionally killed it, but the gun went off. And um, I thought myself crazy, but this was, you know. Maybe she was doing more.
1: Maybe she was giving him more than just the Heimlich. I don't know. You know, yeah. never know. So forever shrouded so so in mystery.
0: Whatever. Crazy
1: shit. Well, okay. Well, that that was our fucking game changer. I had no idea about that whole story. I'm glad that you finally told the whole thing because I think the last time maybe we started to talk of that story, it was probably a, one of you know Matt Swarm's parties where neither of us could actually talk. So I'm glad we were able to. <laughs> Don't get fetal. Hold on. So, so there is an outcry for another part, two. Of course, Mike, your family, he's a family. He's a Mike Fasano. He's going to come back at one point, folks. Uh, we, we love him. Thank you so much for hanging out um, during all this time. We have one last sort of a segment where you get to hype up all your social media and tell people... Basically, again, just a little recap of what they should check out, perhaps what they've learned, all and what is on your social media, because there are some people that are watching on uh, or listening on the uh, Apple and Spotify platforms. Can you just go through your uh, social media and tell people if they want to find out more about Mike Visano, how they would do that?
0: Um, basically, it's just it's all at Mike Visano. At one time, I had a, a Wikipedia too. And there was Mike Fasano, the drummer, and then Mike Fasano, the Florida uh, politician. and uh, There's also and a bat, there's, uh,
1: football player, too. Uh,
0: it's, it's Anthony Fasano, okay. the football player. And then there was a baseball catcher named Sal Fasano. Okay. Obviously, no relations. I'd love to meet these guys sometime. But everything's on there. Um, obviously, um, there's nothing really happening right now uh, with Tiger Army just because of COVID. And we don't can't book anything because we don't know when we're going to be able to play um nick 13 did a really cool thing yesterday he did the gretz guitar uh, instagram takeover i encourage everybody to check that out um everything you want to know about tiger army if you don't see it from me on uh, my thing is tigerarmy.com. Um, um i want to give a shout out to um to uh all of your fans your staff this was the craziest thing doing this show first of all when when i said oh let's do the show i thought it was gonna be like a month from now and then Five days ago, there's the blitzkrieg of... Promotion, from act, and, we all of these Rock, and we have Federer, and we have so so the voice it Voices
1: I, show. Mike Usenek even helped out. So many people yeah. uh, helped in the promotion of the show. Of course, all of Team RGA, uh, whether yeah. it's Dave and Scotty and Robbie, I know they're they're in the chat right now. And of course, our trusted producer Vic Chalfant, who's just throwing out introductions and animations when I'm not sure they're going to come or they are going to come. But he's laughing his ass off. I'd like to get Mike. Uh, you know what, Vic? Will you come? On just for a oh. quick second, just to show people the your 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 Tiger Army pride, even though it's not any uh Tiger Army official merch. It's, it's
0: not it's official. Totally phony It's not even bootleg You know what? It's not even bootleg. It's not even bootleg.
1: But he's really looking at him. He really goes for the effort. If you ever notice, folks, I'm going to yeah, bring on. I love it. I'm going to bring Vic on just even for a moment. Now that's enough, Vic. You have to go away. <laughs> But that was Vic Chalfont, our producer, who always dresses up for the occasion. Mike Fasano, you dressed up for the occasion. If you want to check out more of Mike, of course, Instagram at Mike Fasano, uh, Facebook at Mike Fasano, Twitter at Mike Fasano, and of course, TigerArmy.com. Mike, I'm going to leave you. Oh, there he is. He is the cat dad. He's been saying it all day. Which one is that?
0: This is sleeve the cat. Look at it. It's like a tattoo sleeve. The one on the one with the with the pattern. Listen, I had so many people hit me up asking about sleeves. Everybody loves sleeve. This is sleeve the cat. He's about twenty, AKA pig because he's twenty one pounds. And every time he walks by a uh, food bowl, he eats like like. Oh, that food bowl's not going to be there. Be there.
1: Can you go I, back I, to that photo, uh, Vic? Can you go back to that photo of Mike Visano and Warrant? Because I think actually it was like that's like that shot that you were doing. You're putting out the uh, hand for the. There it is. Is that the one with the sleeve? No, the one where no, you. The other not. one. The other one where you uh, holding out the oh, sleeve. Oh yeah, the sleeve. The, yeah, right
0: there. <laughs> there it the is. <laughs> Anyways.
1: <laughs> Loved having you on, Mike Fisano. Uh It
0: was a great time. It was, it was fun.
1: Well, hey, man, we will do it again. The uh, public outcry for you to uh, be on again is there. And, of course, we're going to break down that... Uh, that Phil Spector saga, play by play, and um, who knows, maybe we can get Phil a Spector from somewhere. I don't know. Does prison have good Wi-Fi?
0: Yeah,
1: I think that's. Good. Yeah, I think so. Probably has better Wi-Fi than us, man. Well, you've been listening you know, to.
0: There's a photo somewhere. I don't have it. It's on. It's. I'll send it to you for next time. Of us and that kooky group, for the next show. It's it's incredible, with Cato and. Yeah. All these people. Well, we rock, didn't even rock, talk rock, about
1: uh, our trip to. We didn't talk about our trip to New York together with DPM because that was a, yeah. a show and a circus unto its own. And uh, we've actually had a really good time. I I'm impressed that I was able to go through all of your musical bands and able to sort of pepper in the the business of music as well because yeah. you've been able to uh, sort of jump back and forth from both fields. But at the end of the day, that's work ethic. It's the way it's, it's the way that you conduct yourself in the studio so that it's actually has helped you with gigs and the way you conduct yourself on stage, because that actually has gotten you studio gigs. So it all kind of works together, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Well, Hey Mike, have a great one. Um, thanks again, Mike Fazano, for being, everybody say, uh, Cheers to him. Uh, Thank you for following uh, In the Trenches podcast. Uh, My name is Ryan Roxy. Until next time, enjoy the ride. See ya. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.